You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. from Wellington, Florida. And I'm Kayla Benny from Ocala, Florida, and you're listening to the monthly Total Equihealth podcast, a special episode on Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 27th, episode 3047. This episode is a special episode on Horses in the Morning every fourth Thursday of the month, brought to you by Total Equihealth. Good morning, Horse World. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. Whew, if I don't jumble my words, we might make it through <laughs> this episode. It's like a tongue twister. The t- total equi health. Total. I mean, it's good. It's a catchy phrase. I, I like it. Oh, we're just bringing total health to everyone. So, you That's know. That's the mission. It's always the mission. So, well, on today's episode, we're going to have Kaylee Seats, Sites. I, I stand corrected. Kaylee Sites. Uh, on to talk about kissing spine, back problems. Kaylee is amazing. Emily, you're going to love him. I can't wait. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> uh, but how have you been? Before we get to Kaylee, we need to hear about you. More health updates. Um, I've been good. I've been slowly getting better. It is definitely a process. Lyme's disease is no joke. Uh, even though it's not fully recognized by the CDC as a chronic illness, I do want to put that footnote and I'm not really sure why, because it's quite chronic. In well, my it's life. the most chronic. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I'm like, are you all for real? You don't believe in this? Oh, okay. Okay. You don't believe in it. Okay. All right. It's because there's not a pill that will fix it. Oh so. my gosh. I know. I know. But no, things are, I can't complain. Things have been really good lately. I obviously up and down with the health as they go. Anybody that has Lyme's or any other chronic illness, they know it's up and down. Uh, but overall, so much better. I've been able to ride again, which has been amazing. I was going to say, I've seen some videos. Are you, jump- Are you jumping oxers? I did. I started <gasps> jumping oxers, which is super different than verticals. I did not previously <laughs> really acknowledge this so much, but like it's super different with your balance and everything, like for sure. I mean, I used to jump like so many horses a day and showing and big classes and not even riding the horse before and whatever. Now I'm like, is that two in a row? Is that technically a combination? I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm only doing oxers two in the row where they're close together and we jump them as one hurdle. It's one thing. Yeah. Not oh like a one and then a two stride and then another. I'm not quite there yet. I we're, we're getting there, but I can't complain. It's, and it's such a great time of year everybody's getting excited for their winter destinations fall indoors are wrapping up for the jumpers at least and it's i can't complain it's it's yeah it's on and off some days i can ride some days i can't but the fact that i'm even riding i mean it's wonderful it's been incredibly missed let me tell you <laughs> i am so excited for you and i'm such a cheerleader i love it. <laughs> you're like i'm gonna be there cheering so yeah. 
I'm like, you better tell me when you're showing because oh, I will, I will be there and I'll be the loudest person. I mean, I'm always the loudest person, but I will, I will be I the that. loudest person. I love that. You're such a cheerleader. I absolutely will. Maybe I'll come up there. I mean, I want to go to Venice. I heard you, yes. you before you were going to Venice. I think last, last month you went too. this is you, you've been going, right? You've been I've going. been going, um, it's my new favorite little destination spot because you can go to the horse show. And if you don't take so many horses, you can go to the beach as well because it's 10 the minutes down the beach, road. Not, not the bar, the beach. Like not the bar. <laughs> that's like such a bad practical joke that y'all pull an Ocala. Why do you do that? The beach. Like, let's that's, go to the beach. <laughs> that's poor sportsmanship. That The beach. It should be the beach with water, not the For, beach with bar. Yes. Well, so for listeners that don't understand, so there is this dive bar <laughs> uh, in Ocala that everyone goes to on like Sunday nights after the Grand Prix uh, that is questionable <laughs> happen. Uh, uh, I used to go, I'm like, nope, the floors are sticky. The <laughs> people are icky. I'm out. <laughs> I only go to the beach with water now. Everybody's like, we're going to the beach. And I'm like, really? You're going to drive that far? They're like, no, it's the bar. I'm like, that's terrible. Y'all should call it something different. But they have uh, sand out there. I saw in like little, in people's pictures. Yes. And there myself, but. Yes. The the sand, the sand is also dirty. (laughs) (laughs) It's a landlocked beach. What? What's. What's so sad, though, and we could go to, on a whole talk about the beach, <laughs> the beach, the bar. Um, oh during the day, it's so cute. It's you know, it's it's beach themed. There's music. It's kind of no an chairs. open plan. There is like the little like sandy area. It's so cute. But as soon as darkness falls, <laughs> like the it the everything changes. And uh, <laughs> it's a little questionable. Now they do also do a drag night, which is really fun okay, to go that's to. That's fun. That would but be but the Sunday night beach, yeah, I would rather go to the, the beach. The actual the beach with the water, yes. like meaning yes. like a coastline that's like yes. the end of the continent, not like the dive bar in the middle of wherever. Yeah. The yeah. beach beach. Yes, for Venice and the yes. actual beach. Yes, for Venice with the actual <laughs> beach. And uh, I'm going to take Doki and hopefully jump um we're going to start on Thursday and see where we go because he's quite uh, he's had off since August 15th was the last day we horse showed. Oh, nice. um, and so he had three he weeks. Should be nice and fresh. Uh, he's very fresh. <laughs> <laughs> he was, um, I think, a little too fresh. So we're going to be a little over exuberant. Um, and when he's this fresh, he gets really horse shy in the warm ups. Um, and Venice's warm up is quite small. Well, it's normal size for a normal size horse, not a yours is so big. Eighteen yeah, hand big moose. Um, he's so <laughs> he's a big boy, and he does not prefer when horses canter at him. Um, and I I do all the things. I put the red ribbon in the front. I put the red ribbon in the back. People I kind of care. preface when I walk in, like, "Hey, my horse is horse shy." People give absolute zero. And your uh, horse is three times the size of the other ones. You'd think that they would like be like, "Okay." You know, well, this one's shy and maybe losing steering, but they don't, yeah. do they? And I do lose steering and, and it's, it's, I'm not even concerned about myself or even my horse. I'm concerned because when he does it, he also has, lets out this <laughs> really u- huge groan he runs into people. and he's like, Oh, and just like runs in, spins into them or spins away from them. And it actually the spinning away, then the other horse spins away from him <laughs> and 
I usually I end up getting someone else almost dumped and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, but I told you. <laughs> I should just back into the next person. I'm so sorry. What? I'm so sorry. I'm so Y'all sorry. Y'all should have given me more space. I did put the ribbon in the front and behind. Yeah. Um, oh. You know, and I feel a bit extra. I'm like, I've got red ribbons <laughs> flowing everywhere. And I'm like, no, this is really for your safety. Not even mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not even you. Oh my but gosh. Once he settles in, it's, it's usually fine. But the first show, horse show back I usually am uh spinning and groaning and hi sorry excuse me coming through sorry sorry hi (laughs) um so so usually in that instance I also only jump about four warm-up jumps before I go in the ring question yeah do you modify your warm-up in the beginning when you're coming back like this from a break uh yeah so usually there's a lot more lunging uh just and just trotting like just light trotting off by myself, um, lunging, then I hop on, I'll flat away by myself. And then I just come in, pick up canner, jump a small vertical, go to an oxer, go up however big I need to go up once or twice. And then a tall vertical. And then I just go in. I just, I try to avoid it because it's keep it to a minimum easier to keep his blood down um, then to try to force anything. And I mean, I'm not going to accomplish anything. I've already done all my training at home, so there's no point in over jumping. He knows his job. Um, and he thinks jumping over the standards is appropriate most of the time anyway. So he's a lovely jumper. I love that. (laughs) I love that he just cuts loose and he's just like, what? I'm jumping the standards, not just the poles. This is not very hard for me. And I'm like, is, okay. Yeah. I love that. No, that's a lovely, you, he's a lovely horse, but you guys are a really, really nice pair. Oh, There's like you. super good chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. You got a video at Venice. Do they I do will. like uh, videos like at ESP or at clip no. my horse or anything? No. no clip my horse. No, nothing. It's very rural, um, which I love. It's yeah, like kind of nice. like back to the roots of showing and, um, and the town of Venice is also just so lovely. So, you know, I, I it's actually one of my favorites. I love showing at WEC. It's great. It's such a privilege to be there. Right. But to go to Venice is just like, it, it, it reminds you why we horse show. Yeah, and, that's nice. You know, it's a great little like escape. So I'm, I'm excited. Do they have damage there? Or every, I, I saw that some folks uh, evacuated from Ian, the hurricane. Well, and the, the wall of the eye, I think, hit that area. So I'm I'm curious yeah. to see what the town looks like and, and surrounding areas. The venue itself said that they, they're good to go. Everything was That's great. Awesome. They drained really, really well. Yeah, and I was really worried because they just put in right? a new ring for that jumper yeah. ring. And I was I like, oh, my God, that. all that footing's going to be gone. Oh, I know but the it, things we think about. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> no. footing! The footing, not the footing. <laughs> no, but the barns are all in good shape. The uh, footing's, I guess, in good shape. So I'm I'm excited. I'm a little curious to see what, like, the beach looks like and, and things like that. Because it was just off the side of of where the, the eye right hit. Of, yeah, very close. Yeah, really, wow. really close. Um, so that was a, a main concern. And I know... Um, a lot of places, I don't know if down in Wellington, but a lot of places in Ocala are organizing uh, fundraisers and drives yes. for uh, the Fort Myers area and like the, you know, um, Piney Creek and, and other places yeah, uh, yeah. and sending truckloads down. A lot of the hay companies and feed stores around the area are organizing, tr- sending big trucks down uh, because people are still without supplies like the the 
change. Unbelievable. Even at this stage. Yep. Yeah. And so, um, well, that's a really good sign that they're bringing people outside folks into the complex for horse shows that shopping, that's restaurants. Yeah. That's a good sign, uh, for sure. You want to be able to bring people back in. So that's good. Absolutely. Well, I guess we should probably get to Kaylee. Yeah. Yeah. Can't <laughs> wait. Let's Woo-hoo. go get educated. I know. <laughs> All right, so we have on the show today uh, Kaylee Seitz of Blue Oak Veterinary Bodywork. And Kaylee is actually um, one of my body workers that works on my horses. He's extremely knowledgeable, so I decided that he would be a great guest to come on to talk about the topic of equine core work, uh, backs, kissing spine, if I may say that very uh, bad word. Um, And maybe he can give us some insights into ways to help these animals a little bit more. So welcome to the show, Kaylee. Thank you for having me. So I think we're just going to dive right in. (laughs) I know this is Um, such a good topic. I think this is great. So many people (laughs) are probably at the edge of their seats. I mean, what what are we without body work, without our horses being 100%, honestly? Any discipline, anybody with a horse in any capacity. Yeah, I I mean, the body work. So um, I'm, I'm a veterinarian, and I used to be in regular equine practice. So I used to kind of do a lot more of um, the typical treatment, joint injections, lameness evaluation. Um, and I sort of shifted over to doing more of the body work things, um, uh, for a few reasons, but, um, it's, they're, you know, they're really good modalities that especially, um, uh, well, really at all levels of sport can really help improve your horses and uh, performance. And, um, uh, just really help, uh, in, in many different facets with their, yeah, with their performance. Well, and I also forgot when I introduced you that you, you also, uh, you, didn't you teach at the school of Chi down here for acupuncture? Yep. Yep. So, um, I do, uh, a veterinary medical manipulation or, or chiropractic, um, as well as acupuncture. And so, yes, I, I do help teach the equine acupuncture course. It, um, it's now Chi University since they do offer uh, a, uh, advanced degree. But yes, I do help teach the a- equine acupuncture course at um, Chi University here in Reddick, Florida, which is um, one of the bigger acupuncture schools, uh, veterinary acupuncture schools um, in the country. I mean, jumping right into... How often do you see back issues with horses, you know, performance horses, other horses, whenever you get called out? Like it's to me, it seems like it's quite common these days and there's ways to to help them. But how often do you get called out specifically for like back issues or do you just find them when you're working on the horses? Uh, I mean, they're, for me, they're very, very common, um, especially with me kind of doing more of those complementary treatment modalities. So yeah, a large portion of, of what I do is helping address and manage, um, back related issues. So I would say for me, um, you know, back pain, 
uh, at least some degree of back pain is probably in about 75, 80% of the horses that I look at will have at least some mild back pain. Um, so it is a very, very common issue. And particularly, um, I mean, it's not, it's not exclusive to just high performance horses. I mean, you can see it, um, even at, at lower levels of, um, uh, sport, um, even just, you know, recreational horses, trail horses, those kinds of things. It's still common, but definitely as I, uh, work on, you know, a lot of upper level sport horses, um, it is a very common, uh, issue. So, uh, yeah. And I think it's definitely, um, a performance limiting, um, in probably a majority of those that it, that it impedes their performance, at least to some degree, if not significantly. When you have people looking for issues on their horse, they're having, uh, performance issues, mainly I'm talking about high performance horses. What are kind of, we all know what the end game is, uh, for horses with back ailments, uh, other, uh, issues in the body being extremely sensitive when you get on, uh, grouchy, uh, sulky, all these different things, maybe a little unsound in different areas. What would you say are kind of your first indicators? No doubt people probably miss some of the first, signs and maybe misdiagnose them as other things do you find or i mean that's what i kind of see but i'm not a veterinarian i do have to give my disclaimer (laughs) (laughs) uh, no i mean the and you know uh back pain can can present in just many different ways but i mean yeah we all kind of know the most common ones which are um sensitivity you know to um mounting um, obviously, you know, things like bucking, uh, under tack is very common, but that's usually more, more advanced. Um, like they're usually quite painful. I, in my experience, if they're bucking, um, it can be just not wanting to go forward. Um, and it also depends on how sensitive or stoic a horse is. So, um, you know, some horses, if they're really stoic, they may just um, manifest it in uh, really non-specific ways, like grinding of their teeth. Um, some of them, it will that pain will result in ulcers, which could um, result in uh, weight loss or melting of their top line, their apaxial muscles. Um, uh, so there's lots of different ways. But for me, when I'm assessing them, you know, it's all uh, a big part of it and probably the single most important part is just the physical exam. So um, I'm going to put my hands, uh, well, we're going to look at several different things, but I'm going to put my hands down their back. And I also do what's um, called an acupuncture scan um, where I'm kind of scanning um, all over their body, just looking for sensitivities at certain acupuncture points. Maybe it's um, sensitivity along a specific acupuncture meridian um, and just looking at their uh, sensitivities there. And um, that can really tell you a lot um, about where they're sore, how sore they are. Um, But it does always have to be interpreted with um, a little bit of background. Yeah, Yeah. because some, some horses are extremely sensitive. Like my thoroughbred is very reactive. Um, you know, he'll always 
drop his back some when I'm even just brushing him with a soft brush. And, you know, there've been many times where I reassess him, make sure he's not really back sore. And, and <laughs> yeah. I, don't think he I is, have one of those just, too. Yeah. Just, the boy who yeah, cried so, wolf or something. I don't know what they say about that, but yes, they yeah, can. Yeah. So, you have to, individual. Um, yeah. But the, the exam is really the single most important thing there. Um, yeah. So, um, I, I specifically, I guess, wanted to address the the kissing spine lesions or or overriding dorsal spinous processes because this is um, um, a, a diagnosis that I, it's not like in vogue um, necessarily, but I think diag- certain diagnoses do, do sort of come in and out of favor, and this is something you kind of hear about a lot um, these days. And so um, kissing spine lesions are when um, the, the, they're called the dorsal spinous processes of the vertebrae. So they're these uh, bony prominences that stick up from the vertebrae. Um, and they're, they really just serve as large surface areas. They create more surface areas for muscle attachment. In the dorsal spinous process, like when you feel your back or the horse's back and you feel each of those little bumps, that's the dorsal spinous process of the back. And so um, in the back, um, there the angle of those dorsal spinous processes change as you go along the back. And so it, this doesn't, it, it's a little, um, doesn't seem like the way you would naturally uh, uh um, design something like this, but as you are, um, in the, near the front of the chest or the cranial on the horse towards the head, the dorsal spinous processes actually, uh, of the thoracic vertebrae actually point backwards towards the tail a little bit. And then as you get, um, further back, they start tilting up. Um, and it's actually at peace the T16, the 16th thoracic vertebrae that it's um, pointing straight up. And then as you move towards the tail, the lumbar vertebrae, they start pointing towards the head. So basically they're, they're, they are kind of pointing towards each other. And um, it's usually um, in like that T13 to T18 area is where they're, they're kind of closest to each other because they're really um, shifting from pointing backwards to shifting forwards. And um, uh, and, in in some of these areas, I mean, the the dorsal spinous processes are only like a few millimeters apart as the horse is just naturally standing there. And so the, the problems can arise a little bit when, when we start adding our tack and our cells to the horse that it does um, drop the horse's back just enough to where they can touch each other. Um, but it's very important to note that this is a, a multifactorial process. They have identified a genetic component to it. Um, and I'm not going to go into a bunch of detail on that. Um, but there is a genetic component to it. It's most common in thoroughbreds and warm bloods and some stock breeds like some quarter horses. It's usually identified in youngerish horses like five to 10 years old, but they certainly can be younger or older. 
And when these dorsal spinous processes, they start getting close enough to touch, they can cause, can cause pain. But it's very important to know um, that just because that there's change there. So if, if you're concerned about this, your vet x-rays your horse's back and they do see changes on those x-rays that are consistent with kissing spine or override or overriding dorsal spine processes, you always have to interpret that with their clinical picture. Um, because I, I've seen the numbers vary quite a bit, but um, some as low as 40% of horses will have changes, abnormalities in their spine and have no clinical signs associated with it. And I've just seen another one where they looked at 295 horses um, from which they did like a basically a pre-purchase exam and showed no signs of existing back pain. But when they did diagnostics on it, 92% of those horses had pathology on at least one vertebrae and 50 per, 51% had changes pathology on several vertebrae. Wow. So the, the really important point that I think needs to be made here is that just because you find some pathology um, on the vertebrae on an x-ray or something does not necessarily mean that the horse is going to definitely have back pain. Um, there's a large percentage of horses that will have abnormalities on those x-rays or, or even ultrasounds um, and never have or not have any clinical signs associated with them. So it's very important to to interpret those x-rays with their overall clinical picture. And, and I think, I don't want to say it gets overdiagnosed because you just, you know, um, I think sometimes people take an x-ray and they see there's a change there and like, oh, this horse has kissing spine and and decide, you know, it's it's a big problem and, and start throwing a bunch of treatment modalities at it, be it injections or something like that. Um, that it may or may not need. So make sure that you're actually treating the the horse and the, horse. Uh, the problem that you actually see and not just the diagnostic. That, that really goes with a lot of diagnostic imaging with horses, yep. um, making sure that you're, you're looking at the overall clinical picture as well. But um, that is pretty important, particularly with um, these kissing spine diagnoses. Um, yeah. So... Um, super helpful. Definitely. I think that's a really big, um, distinction to be made. But the other thing I will say is, especially since, um, it's just been in the past couple of years that they've identified that genetic component that if you did have a horse that, that did have, um, clinically significant, um, kissing spine, um, or arth arthritis of their back, related to that and you had to retire them from competition, maybe a lot of people's next inclination would be like, well, I'll retire them from competition and I'll, I'll turn it into a breeding horse, especially obviously a mare or some, or a stallion. Um, now knowing that there's a genetic component to that, 
maybe um, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that you, you maybe need to take that into consideration as to whether they should continue to breed or not. Um, yeah. it, again, it's yeah. not um, it's not an all or one thing with the genetics, but it's certainly a, a predisposing factor for sure. There's enough enough data pushing in that direction for sure. It needs yeah. to be considered if you're a stallion owner. Or, I mean, it's just the breeding requirements are so loose in this country. You can breed, uh, you know, in a, a variety of different capacities without having huge verband approval and all of this. Right. Uh, the individual owner and breeder does need to be yeah. think that's really super helpful. Yeah, need yeah. to be noticing those things. And even if you're not uh, under a certain registration as an owner breeder, these are important things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those guys with, you know, kissing spine lesions or just general, any general types of back pain to a question that Kayla had asked earlier that, you know, I, I think that, um, for me, as far as management, once we get things under control and heading the right direction, I mean, I, I do think these therapies can be an important part of getting them heading that right direction, but I often do like to use, chiropractic and the acupuncture, um, uh, and, and the mesotherapy to, to help manage them, um, once we do get under control, but the, I, hopefully at that point, we're able to start spacing it out further and further to where instead of maybe doing it like every, um, two weeks or four weeks that you're getting maybe six or eight weeks or even, even longer, um, uh, so those are, I think are really the, the good management modalities, um, for these guys as well. Now, so with, when, okay, so say we have a horse that has a very sensitive back and, um, what are your kind of go-to, uh, modalities for, for helping alleviate pain and then on top of that, I mean, this is a double stack question, <laughs> so it's going to be a long one. Um, <laughs> on top of, so we, we make them feel good. What do you recommend after we make them feel good that to do to maybe elongate the, the next visit? You know, how can the person be proactive, I guess, is my question. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so some of the, the, I guess the therapies um, that I would go to first ultimately are going to depend on how severe or, or what I'm seeing with um, the exam. So, you know, if it's mild or moderate back pain, um, I might be quicker to um, just use like either chiropractic, acupuncture, mesotherapy. Um, more of those complementary modalities. Um, mm -hmm. If they're extremely sore, um, there are definitely times that's where for me, even though I'm a veterinarian, I don't do much of the diagnostics anymore. So at that point, if, if a horse is severely sore, I'm going to say this horse probably needs to have its back x-rayed to, to look for pathology. So for things like kissing spine lesions or other arthritis in the back, that might need uh, a little more aggressive therapy like shockwave or injections of um, like steroids, uh, depending on what's going on. 
those sorts of things. So it is a little bit dependent on how severe the the findings are. Um, but certainly my, my um, com- most common things are either adjustment uh, with chiropractic, acupuncture, and, and I most commonly use electroacupuncture, um, and then uh, mesotherapy as well. So... Um, can you explain to the listeners really quick, um, electroacupuncture, um, and, and how that's a little bit different. And I don't like, even, I don't really know the, I know mm-hmm. the difference. I've seen it, but my horse Doki, my Grand Prix horse, every time Kaylee comes and he does electroacupuncture on his hind end over his SI, I kid you not the little like chi music will go on when it, the time's up and everything. And Doki will reach around and push the thing, like turn it back on, turn it back. Like he (laughs) loves it. (laughs) Yeah. So there's, so when we say acupuncture, that's kind of, um, you know, a general term uh, for, well, there's, there's, many um, different types of acupuncture. So there's, um, I guess what most people think of acupuncture is just the dry needling. So that's where you're just taking the acupuncture needles and you're putting them in, um, in through the skin, into the muscle, um, depending on where you're at and, and leaving it there for typically 20 to 30 minutes, sometimes longer. Um, But then there's also, aqua acupuncture, which is where uh, you might be you're usually injecting some type of fluid, typically like vitamin B12 into specific acupuncture sites. Um, uh, And then there's also electroacupuncture. And so that's where we put in the needles um, and then we hook them up to uh, wires and we run a small current through them. Um, and we ver- can vary the frequency of the electrical current. Um, lower electrical uh, or lower frequencies, like 5 to 20 hertz, they cause a lot of beta endorphin release. Um, and so those endorphins are the, are the body's natural pain uh, uh, medication, if you will. They're stimulating those opiate receptors, and it feels really good. Um, higher frequencies, uh, more like 120 Hertz are, um, helping, uh, with nerve dysfunction. So, um, probably the easier example there would be like a, a dachshund, um, dog with, uh, like that has a slip disc in its back and it's paralyzed behind there. We're, we're probably going to use both a combination of lower and higher frequency, have it alternating between the two. So um, the electroacupuncture, it sounds uh, a little hairy. Um, I've had a few people that get real nervous when I start talking about running electricity um, in the acupuncture needles, but I can assure you I've, I've done it to myself and it, it, it really does feel very pleasant um, and it's very relaxing, especially when you're doing it at those low frequencies and you get a lot of that endorphin uh, release. So that is something electroacupuncture is something that I use very, very commonly. Um, it also tends to have a longer duration of action than dry needling alone. Um, they typically say, um, you know, often three to five days for dry needling, 
um, five to seven-ish for aqua acupuncture, and you should be hoping to get about two weeks out of electroacupuncture. So I, I admittedly do, I do pretty strong acupuncture. Um, I'm always wanting to get really good results for people. So, um, I often use electroacupuncture and I've also found that, um, most with all the horses I've worked on, um, it's not, I've not had any horses that tolerated me putting the needles in just fine and then didn't tolerate the electroacupuncture. So usually if they do fine with just getting the needles in, they'll do fine with, uh, with the electroacupuncture. And you also, well, I just know that Doki, like literally his butt will be jiggling. And as soon as it stops, he like, he's very blatant. Uh, I want my butt to jiggle again. So like turn that back on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> 10 more minutes, please. Thank you. Um, and, and he's a very opinionated horse. So if he likes it, I'm, I'm a believer. Most but... of them will like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you also mentioned, uh, the miso therapy and can you give a brief, you know, for the listeners that may not know, um, I think this is a game changer for backs personally. Um, I've had really good results with um, a couple of my own personal horses, uh, previous horses that I've thus sold on, but that have literally almost been career ending, you know, with the pain, like you, and then doing the miso and the Cairo and things like that. I've been able to, take them and, and compete them at high levels in eventing, which is very demanding on their body and then sell them on. And it, it, I think without the miso component, I would not have been able to do that. So I'm like a firm, firm believer in the miso. Uh, but can you explain to people what that does a little bit? Yeah. So, so mesotherapy is, um, a little bit of a neurotherapy in equine practice. It was really kind of, especially in the U.S., started. Um, there was a lecture at um, in Virginia, at Virginia Equine Imaging, in 2002 that this uh, doctor um, did a lecture on about meso, and that's kind of where it really started to get popular, um, particularly as a treatment modality in the U.S. for horses. So. With mesotherapy, we're taking um, very small needles, usually four to six millimeters long, and we're just um, injecting, um, yeah, we'll go over it in a second, but a few different things, some kind of fluid combination, cocktail of a few different things into kind of the middle layer of the skin, the mesodermal layer. So that's where mesotherapy comes from because the injection is into the mesoderm. Um, and it, we're usually for, for, for treating a back, um, we're going to use these little injector plates. They'll have like a set of five of those needles. So we can do five of the injections at a time. And you're usually just running it down the back in, in lines. Um, so, and typically we'll do, oh, like four to six sort of lines on each side of the spine, kind of on those, um, those back muscles, the apaxial muscles on either side of the vertebrae there. Um, and so mesotherapy is primarily working off of what's called the gate theory of pain. And so <clears throat> um, this is where we'll get into 
kind of a little bit of um, nerdy science. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> I know we live for nerdy science. <laughs> so, so the gate theory of pain says that um, pain sensation um, perceived by the brain it, it can be it can be um, closed. The the transmission of a painful signal can be the gate there can be closed by uh, a non-painful stimulus. And so the easiest or most common um, example of this is that like if you, you know, bang your finger with a hammer or something, um, you'll all, everybody will instinctively grab it and squeeze it and rub it. And that is activating the gate theory of pain. So um, it works by activation of non-painful um, receptors, so like either mechanoreceptors or thermoreceptors in the skin that just detect um, pressure or temperature change but not pain. Stimulation of those um, receptors in the skin will go uh, into the spinal cord and close the gate to pain that are coming from those um, pain other nerve types that uh, a delta or c fibers that are pain receptors they'll they'll block the stimulus coming from those and either decrease or block the pain sensation entirely so so that's why rubbing your skin after you've banged it or your finger um, can make it feel better and so with mesotherapy, we're applying a non-painful stimulus to those receptors in the skin that are going into the spinal cord and blocking or at least altering the transmission of that painful stimulus from some other nerve receptors there. And the idea with many of these therapies is to block or, or stop this um, pain spasm cycle that will get in the back um, where, you know, I think we all kind of know with a horse, if, if they start getting painful or tight in their back, they, uh, they start engaging the wrong muscles, uh, which tends to further compound the pain and spasming in the back. And it just yeah. becomes this, this, uh, positive feedback loop in a negative way. And so we're trying to, this is one of the ways that we can um, try and reverse that pain spasm cycle and get them to cycle it the other way in the positive direction where they start uh, relaxing those muscles, lengthening their top line, using their core muscles, and, and that can all help reverse um, some of the, the pathologies that can be contributing to this back pain. Well, and I love that you just said core muscles because like I'm on a big core kick right now. Uh, <laughs> and our last episode, I kind of went and talked about the human core because I used to have really bad lower back pain. And I think most people that ride horses do. Um, but the more I started to focus on my core personally, now my back pain is gone. Um, and it's because now I'm not overcompensating in certain areas and using my back when I shouldn't be. Um, and I do believe that the horses correlate, uh, very similarly. So 
um, am I right in thinking that like, okay, so we, we reroute the pain cycle, um, and, and get their back a little bit more comfortable. Then we can go in and really work the, the horse's core and try to strengthen that part that will then, you know, prolong the next time we need to see you with the miso, um, or, or other, other modalities, you know, PMF or, uh, you know, Cairo or whatever we need to be doing to, to keep them comfortable. It like, if we strengthen that core, which is really hard on a horse cause it's deep, deep within, um, that we can like, after we've done all this, we, we like need to focus on the core or, or maintenance yeah. medicine. Yeah. Maintenance Proactive. Proactive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely. I mean, getting so getting the horse to um, start in, engaging those core muscles. Uh, it, it's not only I would say it's not something that you need to necessarily wait until the horse's back feels normal to ask them to engage and strengthen that core. You always want to be asking them to strengthen and engage that core. It just if it, it will be harder to do. Um, if they have back pain because they're, they may not want to give over that back because again, it's, it's a spasm, um, in pain cycle. And so, um, you know, if they're, if they're spasming, if they're painful, um, it's going to be hard for, you know, the, their back is going to be want to shorten up, um, which is going to do the opposite. It's going to drop the back and make it hollow. Um, yeah. And engaging the core is doing the exact opposite. So, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be kind of a, a snowball effect where, again, if you start getting things going in the right direction, they'll engage their core more, which will help their back, which will help their core, which will help their back. And then it just <laughs> becomes, yeah, this positive feedback yeah. loop. So I think but without question, if the horse has pretty um, moderate or, or certainly severe back pain, how you go about asking them to engage that core is going to be very different. So, you know, if a horse has some mild or moderate back pain, you probably can still do that under tack with, um, uh, like, um, Cavalettis, um, and really asking them, you know, uh, to giving them the freedom over Cavaletti exercises to reach down um, and stretch out that back and and use their uh, core and their body. And it the exercise kind of does the work for them as long as you're giving them the appropriate freedom to do that. Um, if they're moderate or severe, then you may, particularly if they're severe, you may have to go to doing stuff just um, either uh, – uh, from the ground, you know, without having to carry the weight of a rider. So, um, I do think like the, um, Pessoa lunge systems, um, can help them quite a bit. Um, you can still certainly lunge them over Cavaletti's, um, uh, and to get those same benefits and keep it simpler and keep the workload on them lighter until they've built up and they're getting more comfortable. Um, and, um, uh, other things I like, uh, that I think are really helpful. Um, and I use these myself are the Equiband systems. So those are like the, um, 
the stretchy stretchy bands that um yeah those rubber bands yeah that's on the saddle pad one goes back around their butt and one goes under their belly and they have shown to um uh have significant improvement in in their back muscling um one of the muscles that they really pay attention to with back pathology is the spinalis multifidus muscle um and a lot of the ther- the studies that you know are assessing back pain stuff they look for the overall size of that muscle um on ultrasound or sometimes on necropsy um uh and these are all things that have been shown to either um increase the overall size of that muscle in the back um mm-hmm. and, and and they've also noted in a lot of horses on that did have severe back pathology um significant asymmetry in that muscle along the spine um so uh, that is, that's, that's one of the muscles that a lot of these, um, therapies are, are kind of focusing on. It's a, the multifidus muscle is, um, we kind of think of muscle groups as, um, being, uh, global and mobilizing. So like, um, oh, I'm trying to think of, uh, um, he, he's getting real smart is what he's doing. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> oh, like the, yeah. So like the longissimus dorsi, that's like a big global muscle. And that's also one that tends to spasm and cause a lot of pain. Um, and then there's also uh, opposed to that is the local and stabilizing muscles. And so that multifidus muscle is a local and stabilizing muscle. It's not causing big, big movements. It's helping stabilize the spine. And so, um, so that's, those are a lot of, when we talk about core exercises, we're not always talking about these big global, um, mobilizing muscles. A lot of times we're talking about small postural stabilizing muscles that we're really focusing on. It's not necessarily these really big muscle groups. Um, yeah, I'm like, okay, it's so I'm, much. I'm I know. this all in. <laughs> well, it's just, so I think for like your average, average horse owner, I mean, if you're, if you're working them like high performance, really showing every week and you're going to notice more of these, they're, they're going to be more red, like glaring, like red zone situations when you hit into that, that back pain for people who are just managing their horses at home, maybe doing some, some light clinics, some little things like this. Uh, are there, do you think any exercises or something we could offer for them to, or some tests to kind of see that are a little more subtle, uh, that show up with that the horses are maybe in need of some of these marks, uh, invasive, not invasive, well, whatever, extensive, more involved treatments. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think always just running, running your hand down your horse's back is, um, a fairly simple thing you can do and just looking at their response. Um, again, as we talked about a little bit earlier, that's not always super clear cut because I've known plenty of horses that always react when, when we do that. And so I'm kind of interpreting it with, with a grain of salt a little bit. Um, 
I think it, a big thing for me that I always look for in aside from exam is history or trends. So like, if you're like my horse used to, um, be really happy and go forward. Um, and now he's really grumpy, um, when I'm tacking him up, like, um, or just some other part of it has changed that the uncharacteristic for your horse. Um, I think those are also red flags for me. So, um, well, it's uh, not like they wake up at one day and are like, okay, well, I went from being a good boy to I've decided to be yeah. bad. No, I'm because here. I'm a jerk. <laughs> I know, yeah. really. Poor horses. And it's and that's definitely hard. And and honestly, um, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's necessarily any one simple thing that you can do at home because it does sometimes take an outside perspective of assessing the horse to to have some clarity on it. So so even for me as a veterinarian, um, I because I see my horse every day and stuff. Sometimes I have to have another veterinarian come and look at, cause I'm like, I keep looking at this and, and I'm All not right. sure if this is changing or not. And so, and you're um, obsessing on you, it if, a little bit. Yeah. If you have any concern, I mean, um, just looking at how they've behaved and, and, you know, sure you can kind of feel for some obvious changes there, but sometimes having an outside outside perspective is is really critical on it, and and your your veterinarian is going to be really your best way of uh, having that assessment. So worth it to have a little once over. Have have yeah. just periodically have your horse, whether you're using him hard or not for competition, just have a little once over by your veterinarian and see if there's something maybe in, something going on or something that could be somewhat preventative. Yeah. Yeah, uh, certainly. I mean, a lot of the horses that I find back pain on, I wasn't necessarily brought out, um, maybe specifically for back pain. They may, maybe they just wanted, you know, kind of a tune up, um, because they're in the middle of a hard show season. They think they're going fine. And then I, I get out there and, and I'm like, oh gosh, they're actually quite, quite sore. <laughs> yeah. So, Bursting yeah, I mean, there's, there's not, there's not necessarily always, you know. And again, it, it depends a lot on the horse. Um, some are going to let you know very quickly, and others will, will never let on that there's anything wrong. Um, yeah. And they're, they're both equally as hard to treat. Um, the horses that don't tell you anything. Um, are very hard to work on because, yeah, they just don't give you much feedback as far as where they hurt or if they hurt. Um, and the overly sensitive horses, like my thoroughbred, act like they, you know, are everything is, mm-hmm. is painful uh, and you know that that's just not true. A pa- a, <laughs> You're a, a liar. Yeah, exactly. A paper cut, a paper cut, and they're like, you must amputate. I know. Like, <laughs> I have a couple like yeah. that too. You're like, okay, we need to reel this in. Yeah. Definitely yeah. through a certain lens. <laughs> well, Kaylee, if people want um, more information about you, um, where can they find you? Like so, so um, they can find us on Facebook at Blue Oak Veterinary Body Work, or on our website at uh, blueoakveterinary dot com. Um, we're down here in Ocala, Florida, year round. 
Um, just uh, either shoot us an email uh, from the webpage. They have all of our contact info there, or you can send us a message on Facebook Messenger through our Facebook page. So perfect. Thank you so much, Kaylee, for coming on. You're very welcome. Thanks again for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you, Kaylee. Amazing interview with Kaylee. That was so incredibly informative. Oh my gosh. The back issues. We all have back issues. Well, us too. I didn't mean it like that. Oh my gosh. The horses. The horses have back (laughs) issues. All of it. We just don't know. It it, it was super informative to know, like, you don't always hear that from a vet listen to the horse. I have to say, like, they're like, you know, it's very simple. It's black and white, you know, like the horse needs hawks. It needs this. It's in, you know, it's needles everywhere. Surgery. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, actually listen to the horse and have a little history. I love that. He's super informative. You're very fortunate. You have him in your area. I wish he was down. Oh my gosh. I, once I found him, I was like, I'm never letting you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but I just really like that. He's, he's, falls in line with my ideals of being preventative instead of reactionary. So instead of going in and having to inject every single joint um, and doing all that, it's like, okay, what can we do? That's not quite as invasive and, and really actually help the whole wellness of the horse instead of just reacting to, well, you have hawk pain, you have suspensory pain, you have back pain, you have this pain. Scalpel. Yeah. And, and just maintaining them and then hopefully seeing the vet a little bit less as well. Um, I mean, even though he is a vet, you he know, is I, a vet, but he's, he's a little a, bit on the dark side, isn't he? Yeah. He's kind of like encouraging us to do things that would prevent vet work. I know. And I That's love like it. Really? I know. Right. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is like amazing. Like, this is so great. Well, and it's, it's awesome. Cause you know, I'm a big kissing spine person like that. It, it as in, it's not a death sentence. It's it's you're a big advocate for yes. that ailment, which is hugely helpful because now there's more like science coming out and then people are getting scared and horses are being at the very best scenario turned out yep. to pasture over and this. It's, it's you know, it's okay, it does require maintenance, but what horse doesn't? And especially if you're trying to do a high performance job Absolutely. with them. And even the low performance job, you know, they, the horses, I will say a horse with kissing spine, they need regular work because they need posture management. Um, It's no different than like when I work on my core for, and it's specifically for my back pain, it's mainly to help my posture so that, you know, I'm not slouching, I'm not sitting wonky, I'm not you know, riding the horse off to one side, which then I'm overcompensating using my back, you know, all these things, it's all posture management. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'll be quite candid. I had an upper level event horse that I got as a five-year-old a while ago, and we were having behavioral issues. We were treating him for ulcers. We were doing this and that. I finally got him scoped. Um, and his stomach was the cleanest stomach they have ever seen. Oh I was like, well, gosh. good news. My <laughs> medication is working. Um, bad bad news. news. Back to square one. <laughs> um, he's still bucking and, you know, leaping through the warmups, clearing out all the dressage warmups. Oh, and, no. um, and my vet turns to me and goes, I really want to x-ray his back. And I'm like, I, I do not want you to do that. Um, <laughs> 
but go ahead. Um, and, you know, his was a very mild case of kissing spine. But what was really cool is I went and I sold him as a 13-year-old. And the person, you know, I said, okay, he has um, some x-rays. But I would competed him up through intermediate at that point. And um, he's going to have some back x-rays. And so they wanted to take x-rays just to compare from when he was five. And I had actually through long lining and miso regular chiropractic and uh, a few other things actually was able to mildly reverse it. Now, okay, wow. they were still very close, but they the space in between the vertebra had lengthened. That's all that um, matters, right? I mean, and just I, making that space bigger. Yeah, and I do firmly believe it's because I was able to get his back muscles and his core strong enough yep. to then lift and open. And you're um, so tiny. It's not like, yeah. you know, weight on the back or something. It's not like something you were doing. This horse must've had either some sort of genetic component or yep. if it was a thoroughbred, maybe early on work that maybe didn't agree before growth pates closed or something. Yeah. And he, I mean, he was an Oldenburg, but he, okay. um, you know, he was a very impressive jumper and I do believe that they also, uh, jump shooted him a little bit too much, too hard, uh, yeah, too hard, early. too high, yeah. um, because he was very impressive and for whatever reason, like he didn't work hard, um, you know, up until his five-year-old year, but he was also quite opinionated. He was very sensitive. Um, and I had to do a lot of off, like out of the saddle work. I didn't actually ride him quite as frequently like and it would freak a normal person out because you think oh I've got to get on I've got to school these movements I've got to do this and that before I go out and I run you know a two-star um and I actually long lined him and or lunged him a lot of the time and I only got on his back to specifically school a movement for 15 minutes or when I was jump schooling him wow um and other than that, I was off of his back and just would work him and make sure he was fit enough. But I would do also a lot of fitness off of him, pony him from other horses, uh, you know, for his fitness work, his trot sets and things like that. Um, you know, now you need enough horses to be able to do that, like <laughs> you know, to be yeah. able to pony him. But there, there are other ways and to not be afraid to not be in the saddle that you're yep. still working them. There's a lot to be done out of the saddle. I'm a big yep. uh, believer in that for sure. And have experienced the benefits of a lot of those things agreed. Yeah. Yep. It, it can be beneficial. Some of these out of the saddle things. And the long lining like mm -hmm. that is amazing. Very um, it can be very terrifying too, because if they have an explosive moment, you have lots of lines uh -huh. in your hand. Yeah. Lots but... <laughs> of problems that could happen. A lot of troubleshooting yeah. problems here. Yeah. So make sure you're in a contained area and, uh, oh my gosh. uh, you know, it's okay to let go sometimes because it's better than them getting tangled. So <laughs> yes, that's true. if you're in a contained area, at drag least. is not good either. Yeah. No. So, oh my gosh, I could talk to Kaylee for forever though. So oh, I'm he's so wonderful. excited. Me too. That was he a great came guest. On. Absolutely. And, uh, Super helpful. <sighs> well, let's get to our title sponsor and their commercial. 
We've got Total EquiHealth. Are you interested in your horse's wellness? Do you know what is in the products you feed or use on your horses? At Total EquiHealth, we have sought out and selected quality products that aid in their fitness and health and benefit their performance. The products we carry aren't just for the elite sport horse, but for every horse with a health-conscious owner. Be sure to check out our rider section as well. Visit us today at Total equihealth.com that's e-q-u-i health.com and they will have all the products and as in they i will have all the products because i'm the one that puts the products on the website my product too (laughs) yes (laughs) <laughs> you have all the products. I have all the products. No, I have all the products that I firmly believe in that actually aid in health. Um, and and we have new lines coming all the time. And actually, we just started carrying uh, Equifit um, nice. just because I really like their, their brand. They've got some really good boots and uh, comfort items. And uh, some of their bandaging with some the silver, yes. yeah, the all the healthy the silver stuff. Super yeah. nice. Yep. I love using silver on my horses, mm-hmm. um, and for myself, the so I, you know, go check it out. TotalEquiHealth.com. So I guess we should probably tell where can people find you. I am on Facebook as myself, Emily Wood, uh, or Stella Farm, both pages. Y'all can message for shopping, anything horse-related. And for the clothing line is sequestrianco.com. That's E-C-E, equestrianco.com for your custom shirts and UV 50+. plus. Love our sun-conscious fabrics here. Check it out. Yep. No skin cancer for us. No. Stay out of the sun. No. And I love your shirts. I mean, we already know that I'm a huge. You look so cute in them. I love it that you wear them. I'm packing one for Venice uh, (laughs) tonight as we speak because I'm headed to the horse show. Amazing. Good luck. Thank you. And you can find me on Facebook under Kayla Benny or Selkuth Sport Horses. Uh, My website, selkuthsporthorses.com. You can also uh, find me on TikTok uh, on my personal page or Total Equa Health now has a TikTok, which was where all of our exercises and stretches will be um, and it, horses and human. Um, so that's where all the fitness uh, little notes are going to be. And you can find the links to today's guests and show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. And you can have all of your horse radio network shows with you wherever you go with our free app from iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And thank you again to our title sponsor, Total Echo Health at totalequahealth.com and remember riding like life doesn't need to be perfect to be wonderful give your horse a pat after every ride see you next time